It was good, wasn't it? People do matter to God, and we're going to talk about that today. Uh, I'd invite you to take out the worship folder you were given when you came in. You can take notes in there if you'd like to. I'm really glad you're here. If this is your first time here, welcome. Glad you came. Um, Glad you came on Time Change Sunday. I have to say something to my daughter, Abby. Abby, I will never call you a clothing diva again. Did you notice how many times Aaron changed clothes in that announcement video? How many different shirts did Aaron Jackson wear? My gosh. Got Abby beat, that's for sure. A couple of things that are in that worship folder, if you just want to take careful note of this. This next weekend, we are going to be in the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Cottleville. I want to give a special uh, encouragement to you to come help build that float if you're at all artistic or at least can uh, help and be told what to do. I can fit in that category. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. And you can come be a part of the parade too because this is just one of the ways we want to get the word out about connection to our community. So you can be a part of that. The information's in there. And just pay attention to that vision dinner. It's a very good chance for our church to talk about where we're going as a church together, celebrate where we've been, and think about where we're going. So it's a good meal, too. Can be a part of that. All right, so a truck pulled up to the border crossing between the United States and Mexico. A truck pulls up. The, The agent who was in charge there, just his spidey sense went off. Like, something's not right here. I think this guy's smuggling something. So he had the guy in the truck pull over to the side. The guy exits the vehicle. They pulled that truck apart trying to find contraband. Didn't find anything. It so happened, they just had to let him go. Over the next several months and even over the next several years, the same guy would pull up and invariably he'd get this same uh, border agent, border officer. And every time he'd like, I just, I know, I've been doing this a long time. You're, you're smuggling something. So it's the same thing. They pulled the truck over. They looked for secret compartments. They pulled the fenders off. They, they did sonar. They did everything. They even x-rayed the guy to make sure that he wasn't carrying anything. Every time they couldn't find anything. So they let him through. Well, after a couple of years of this, the customs officer, the crossing agent, was set to retire. And wouldn't you know it, one last time before he retired, the same guy pulled up in a truck. And the agent said, Look, buddy, I'm getting ready to retire, so this really doesn't matter to me anymore, but I just got to know for my own personal sanity, I've just had the sense that you've been smuggling something. I've been doing this a long time. I know you are, and you know you are. Come on, just tell me. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to report you. Hypothetically speaking, are you smuggling something? And the guy in the truck said, theoretically speaking, it may be possible. And the agent said, all right, again, I'm not going to do anything. I'm out of here. I don't care. I just need... What have you been smuggling, theoretically? The guy thought about it for a second. He looked at him and he said, trucks, and went right across the border. <laughs> so easy to miss the obvious, isn't it, right? Every day that inspector showed up to work and everything was telling him this guy is smuggling something, something valuable, maybe illegal, but something. And, and so he was so careful to look at the trees, he missed the forest. The guy's smuggling trucks. It's not in the truck, it's the truck itself. That's the thing of value. Here's the analogy you want to make from that. It's very easy to do with that, that with people. To look at people, and we all have to guard against this temptation, this tendency. No matter how good you are, I know you have to watch yourself on this. The tendency to judge people based on how valuable we think they are. The tendency to judge and avoid or embrace people based on what we think they can do for us or Avoid them because they really annoy us or they suck the life out of us or whatever. It's just a temptation we'll have to guard against to just to, to create value or to assign value to people and treat them accordingly. I know everybody does it. One of the things I find disturbing, at least about myself, and maybe I've noticed this about a lot of other people, is how we will speak and think and the attitudes we'll hold about people that we will never meet. 
people who are like in the public domain, people who are like famous, like actors or politicians or whatever, we will say things about them that we would never say to someone face We would never say that to them if they were standing in front of us, but we'll say it about them. We'll think it about them. Let's just do a little experiment here. You don't have to say anything out loud, but in a moment, we're going to show you some pictures of people. I'm going to say their names, and I'm going to ask you just to monitor what is the first thing that pops into your mind when this person is talked about. You might have a tendency or a temptation to cheer and applaud them, or you might roll your eyes, but what is the first thing you think of when I say Miley Silas, Cyrus and Robin Thicke twerking? I'm not judging you, but what's the first thing that pops in your mind? And believe me, by the way, it took a long time to find a picture of the two of them I could show <laughs> in church, right? <laughs> but what's the first thing that pops in your mind? Okay, how about this name? Ellen DeGeneres. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? How about uh, George W. Bush? Okay. Starting to see a little pattern here, maybe. Uh, how about uh, Edward Snowden? Traitor? Hero? What do you think? Uh, Vladimir Putin? How about this? I don't want him looking at me anymore. How about this guy? Barack Obama? <laughs> okay. And look, I, I don't care what you thought. And I'm not judging you based on what you thought, but did any of those people either make you want to go, oh, yeah, I like that guy, or oh, this horrible. Did, did anybody make you roll your eyes? Whether we want to admit it or not, we judge people, and we assign value based on whether we think they bring good things into the world or whether we think that they're horrible for the world or whether we would want to be around them or if not. We do this based on their perceived value. Here's something I've just tried to make a practice in my life, and you can do this if you want. Whenever I'm thinking about someone, whether I've met them or not, or talking to or talking about someone, I always try to keep this in mind, this thing that I read C.S. Lewis had written once. He's a theologian back from the, the 30s and the 40s and 50s. He said this, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. That really helps me refocus the fact that we are all something. He went on to say in this same quote, that you just have to remember that the person you're talking to is not what they're always going to be. This person that you may despise or think you have no time for right now, if you could see them in their future reality, they would be somebody that you would either be tempted to worship or someone out of your worst nightmare because we're not all what we're going to be. You've never seen an ordinary person or a mere mortal. I like the way that Pastor uh, Ed Young says it. He says it this way, you have never locked eyes with someone who doesn't matter to God. When we treat people this way, we start thinking through God's eyes. That's why we call this message series, People Matter to God. We want to start looking at people the way God looks at people. The way we measure people's value is oftentimes what you can do for me or how you make me feel. But God says, you have value simply because you are. You exist, and therefore you are priceless to me. It's a stunning thing to think about that. The people that you may say are the most evil people who've ever lived, the people who've contributed nothing to the world, if they were alive... They had value to God. In, in fact, you think about this. The fact that we're alive indicates God's value that he places on us. Life's a gift only God can give. If he gave you life, you are priceless beyond measure to God. And here's another thing to consider. You know, you talk about what's something worth. Well, one measure of what something's worth is what somebody will pay for it. What did God pay for humanity? First Peter in the Bible says that God didn't redeem us from the empty way of life handed down to us by our forefathers, 
with something as perishable as silver or gold. No, he said, you know, you were bought with the life of his precious son, his one and only son. That's how valuable people are to God. He paid a, a terrible price. You can't even begin to imagine how valuable you are to God. So here's my question this morning. How would we treat people if we truly believed that they are priceless before God? How would we treat people if God views people that way? Well, through the next three weeks, I'm just going to talk about a few things I think flow out of that. As a Christian or as a person who takes Jesus seriously, what are kind of some of the things that we should be embracing as people? And one of the things we're going to talk about today is that if we really believe people matter to God, that we should pray for them and we should lift them up. Through the message today, I don't know if... If, if there is one of these in your worship folder, you can go ahead and pull this out. As I'm talking about praying, some people's names may come to mind. I would just invite you to write those people's names down on this card as we're talking today. And uh, here's your homework assignment. Bring this back with you the next two weeks as we talk about people matter to God and those actions that flow out of it. This Today we're going to talk about praying for people. Some people, I don't know if you've ever thought this or said this, but I know I've heard people say this in a conversation. You're talking to somebody and they're going through a really tough time and you're like, I don't know what else to do for you, but I can pray for you. Like Dave Stone says, as if prayer is a pathetic substitute for real action. Why don't you think about what you are doing when you are praying? Here's a simple definition of prayer that's really helped me. You can write this down if you want. Prayer is an intimate conversation between you and God about things or people that you both care about. I, don't, I know that sometimes it's easy to make prayer something that it's not supposed to be. Like, oh, uh, i got to remember, what was that prayer they taught us back in you know, catechism or whatever? Or i may, got to make sure I get the right words in the right order. You don't have to do any of that. Prayer is just a conversation between you and God about things or people that you both care about. When you think about it in that light, you can do prayer. And prayer is something, by the way, that is so powerful. You say, all I can do is pray. You are talking to the God who created the entire universe, almighty God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, who, who has a solution for everything, and you are inviting that God to get involved in this situation or this person's life, and you say, all I can do is pray? This is like the most powerful thing you could do for somebody is to pray, talk to God about their situation. Prayer invites God to get involved. It comes into our lives, it comes into our circumstances, our hearts when we pray. I love what the Bible says in Ephesians 6. This is a strong reminder to us about how we should be living before God. It says, we're to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. You can ask God for stuff. And with this in mind, be alert. Always keep praying for all the Lord's people. I don't know if you've ever thought this. One of the things I hear a lot about prayers, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I get started and like my mind drifts and I don't know who to pray for. Well, hopefully we can solve that today. I'm going to talk about several groups of people that maybe you've never thought about praying for before. But by the end of the message, I hope that God's brought some people to your mind and you've written them down and that maybe this week you will just commit to saying, maybe today and for the next seven days, I'll just take a minute or five minutes or whatever and I'll have this intimate conversation with God about the people I've written down. So, well, if you, as people come to your mind, just write them down. The first group I'd encourage you to think about praying for would be to pray for your close friends and pray for your family. And this is easy, right? This, these are people you care about, your friends and your family. You should pray for them. The Apostle Paul talked about praying for his friends all the time. Philippians 1.4, he said, I thank my God every time I remember you. He's talking to these friends in this church. In all my prayers for all of you, I pray with joy. He wrote to some other friends in Colossians. It says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. 
Again, an entirely another group of people in First Thessalonians, Paul said, we always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. Like Paul's like, this is important that I pray for my friends and my family. And this is easy, this is closest to home. Take time to pray for strength and protection and blessing for your family and your friends, your spouse. I don't know if you do that or not. Pray for your spouse. Pray that they would have a great day at work. Pray that they would be protected, that their heart would be pure. Pray, that, pray for your kids if you're a parent. If you're a kid, pray for your parents. Most people have parents, right? Uh, pray for your sister if you got one. I'm sorry if you do, but yeah. pray for your sister. Pray for your brother. If you know you have an extended family, pray for your aunts and uncles or your nieces and your nephews, your cousins. Just pray for your family. If they're not Christians, pray that they'll come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is like a no-brainer. Just pray for them. If you're a parent, let me just tell you something maybe you've not thought of doing before. This was a real eye-opener when I was a kid. Somebody told me you ought to do this. But as a parent, you can pray for your children's future spouse. If they're going to choose to get married someday, why not start now praying for the person they're going to marry? I found this out from Kirsten, my wife. Like, her parents prayed for the person she would marry, which turned out to be me. Um, She prayed for the person she would marry long before I showed up. I, as a kid, was praying for my future spouse, too. Some of you are like, look at me going, I think she should have prayed a little harder, <laughs> right? Yeah, pray for your kids, pray for your family. Here's another way to think about that. Pray for your church family. We're friends here. We're family, right? And I, what, it's so easy to get somebody to pray for you here in this church family. Here's one way, if you don't know, if you like some, I wish somebody would pray with me, take the Connect card that's in your bulletin, write down your prayer request on that. It will hit our prayer list. There are like, dozens and dozens of people in our church every week who get our prayer list emailed to them, and they'll pray for your need. If you're like, I'm not sure I want the the whole church to know about this, mark the confidential box, box, and we'll try to keep it just to the staff and elders. We'll pray for you. If you're like, hey, that sounds cool. I'd like to pray for my church. Just write prayer team on your connect card. We'll put you on the list, and you can pray for our church's needs too. Middle of the week, something comes up. You can call us at the office. Hit the website. There's a place you can put a prayer list and prayer requests in there. Call an elder. Call me. Uh, tell your life group, let your life group pray for you and about what's going on in your life. Great way to encourage each other. You can pray for our missionaries that our church supports. Pray for our family. You know, another group that you might want to consider praying for is to pray for your neighbors. Pray for the people who live around you, which I guess beg, or assumes that you actually know your neighbors. This is like stunning to me, but study after study has shown that the vast majority of Americans can't even, not name, can't even name the first name of the five people who live closest to them. Like, you go, the five homes that are closest to you, what's like somebody's first name? If you know the first name of the people who live around you, you're like ahead of the vast majority of Americans in that regard. How can you pray for your neighbors if you don't even know who they are? So I'm not judging you, but just think about that. Can they change that? Can you start getting to know your neighbors, figuring out what's going on in your neighborhood? I mean, like you come out of the house and you look down the street and there's a bunch of cars at the house down the street and people are going in the house with food and they're wearing black. You go, wow, somebody passed away. I should pray for them. Across the street, they just had a a new baby. Probably not getting a whole lot of sleep at that house. Let's pray for them. Guy next door just got his driver's license. Let's pray the whole neighborhood is safe. (laughs) No accidents in the subdivision. Across the common area, they just got a new dog that barks all night. Let's pray that they move, right? (laughs) No, don't do that. Next week, we're going to talk about if people matter to God, we want to share our faith with them. It's a whole lot easier to share your faith with your neighbors if you know their name. 
you know their spiritual background, their religious background, if they're looking for a church to be a part of. So get to know your neighbors and pray. I heard about a family who decided to be a little bit more intentional about this. This is a great idea. Maybe you want to take this idea on. They would go for a walk in the evening in their subdivision, and they'd meet their neighbors. And when they got back home, if they figured out who their neighbor was or somebody down the street, they would just write their name down. They just made like a little impromptu map. Over time, they got to know like a whole lot of people in their subdivision. And when they would go for a walk, they made it a prayer walk. They would just very silently lift up a prayer for those people by name as they walked by their house. Just God bless this home, protect them. And if they knew anything about him, you know, help him. He's getting a new job. Help them. They need to mow their grass, whatever. Pray for your neighbors, right? Here's another group of people you may want to pray for, and that would be your coworkers. What if you started looking at your place of employment a little bit differently? You know, you're not just pulling up to work, but what if you viewed it like, I'm pulling up to Lambert Airport, and I'm getting ready to go on a mission trip. What if you viewed your coworkers as people you could pray for? Bill Hybels, pastor up in Chicago, he said this. I love this. He said, when the true Christian enters the marketplace, Christ enters with him or her, and together they must leave their mark of holiness. Just a question. You don't have to raise your hand or anything, but is there anyone that you work with right now who could use a little bit of prayer? Are there people that you come into contact through your work, customers or clients, that you could pray for? I'm not even talking like stopping right in the middle of a meeting to say, hey, can we pray about that? I'm not talking about that. But if somebody that you work with or somebody you work for opens up and shares something with you, what a perfect opportunity to say, hey, you know what? I am, I'm a person who prays. Do you mind if I pray about this next time I'm praying? And me personally, I have never had anyone refuse prayer. I mean, people who don't even think they believe in God say, sure, you know what, it can't hurt, right? Uh, you can pray for me if you want. And so, so many times, it's a powerful thing to ask God to get involved in another person's life. And you say, well, Brian, of course people are going to tell you that you can pray for me. You're a pastor. <laughs> I don't always tell people I'm a pastor. I'm not ashamed of it. I just like people to kind of get to know me before all those assumptions about what I am because I'm a pastor come into mind. And I don't want anybody to think I'm praying for them because I have to or it's my job or I get paid to do that. I just do this, okay, and so can you. So just invite people, tell me what you've got going on, I'll pray for you. What if you, like, pulled up to your place of employment, before you went in, you just, like, said a prayer before you walked in? You're like, well, yeah, somebody sees me talking in my car, that's going to look, pull your cell phone out. Like, yeah, I'm talking to God. Yeah. <laughs> Five bars, you've got great reception here. So when you go to work, just start praying for your coworkers. Here's another group you can pray for. How about praying for your enemies? Which some of you are going, uh, I think you already covered that. Family, friends, neighbors, coworkers. We already covered that, right? No. Romans chapter 12 says this. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Never pay back evil with more evil. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, in case you think maybe the Apostle Paul who wrote those words got that wrong, let's just go to Jesus himself. What did he say about this? Matthew chapter 5, what did Jesus say? I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That person who makes you miserable in fifth hour, that coworker who backstabs you, that other person who stole your idea, the person that you just cannot get along with, pray for them. I didn't say it, Jesus did. You can take it up with him if you don't like it. And just be honest with you, I know some of you are thinking, like, you've got to be kidding me. This may be one of the hardest places to get on the same page with God right here, and that is to come to the understanding that maybe God doesn't hate your enemies as much as you hate your enemies. 
we can all understand why God loves us, right? We're so lovable and adorable, but yeah, I'm sure God doesn't like that person at least as much as I don't like them, and he knows more than I do, so people are priceless to God. I'm sure that he has a plan for that person's life. Why not pray and see what happens? See, here's what I find with prayer. Sometimes when I pray, God changes the things, like I ask him to do something and he does it. What I often find is that prayer changes me first. So when you pray for your, your enemies or the people you just torment you or whatever, maybe God wants to shape you. Here's something Rick Warren once said. I just found this to be very powerful. Rick Warren said, unkind people need your kindness most, and they advertise their pain. The way they're treating you may be a symptom of something absolutely unrelated to you. So as you pray, God may take your antagonism and turn it toward, you know, maybe a little bit of tolerance for that person. And then he may take your tolerance for that person and give you a heart of compassion. And he may move you from compassion then to love for your enemies. But it starts when you pray. Like God, another group I want us to think about praying for, and that would be to pray for our leaders. Your leaders, like your political leaders, local level, state level, national level, international leaders, just pray for them. Here's something I do. You can borrow this if you want. Like when I'm watching CNN or I'm watching the local news channel, if a politician or a leader comes on, instead of rolling my eyes, I pray for them right then. Like if it's our senator, if it's our president, whoever, I just right then in that moment just pray for them. Not out loud. I don't stop the family or anything. But, I mean, I'm seeing them. I'm thinking about them. I just, I pray things like, Lord, help them to be wise, help them to be honest, help them make good decisions whether I voted for them or not, just help them to lead us to a place of peace, uh, let them be fair and just, just be good leaders, right? And pray for them. And the Bible says we're supposed to do this. In, in Romans chapter, I'm sorry, in First Timothy it says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. You know, I don't care if you voted for the person or not. The Bible tells you you're supposed to pray for him. Besides, do you think God gets up in the morning, pulls out his iPad, pulls up CNN, and goes, oh my gosh, how did she get elected? <laughs> really? You think he's ever surprised to God who makes it into office? or who's in? in Romans 13, it tells us that God put them in their position of authority. If he put them there, we should pray for them. And so while you're praying for the leaders, why don't you go ahead and pray for the leaders here in the church? Pray for me, the pastor who leads the church. Pray for our other ministers. Pray for our elders. Pray for those who are leading in our children's ministry right now. Pray for our youth sponsors. Pray for our life group leaders. You could pray for our ministry team leaders. Here's what we're praying. And here's, I would love that you pray this for me. Just pray that I handle the Bible correctly, that I teach it well and accurately. Pray that I live a life worth imitating and that all of our leaders would, because that's why we lead. We want people to follow our example as we follow Christ. Pray that we do a good job with that. We want to lead well. We, we want to be people of integrity. We don't want to, like, screw up people's lives. And so I would just say, if you would commit to praying for us, I would very much appreciate that. I can't tell you how many times that I've been in a difficult spot where it's just been so encouraging to me to have somebody come up to me and say, you know, we pray for you. you know? Or I get a note saying, hey, we've been praying for you. I just love that. So there's times where I've actually prayed, Lord, please bring my name to somebody else's mind so they'll pray for me because I'm really needing it right now. So pray for the leaders here in this church. One last group you can pray for. Ready? Pray for the unsaved. The unsaved. Colossians chapter 4 says this. 
devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us. This is the Apostle Paul writing these words. He says, pray for us that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Pray for people who are not Christians, who don't know Jesus. I'm telling you, this is where God does his best work in the heart of lost people. When you invite God to be working in their lives and opening their heart. Now, I do want a show of hands here, and I won't judge you if you don't put your hand up. It's okay. How many of you right now say, I am praying for a family member or a friend who is not a Christian? And if you can't put your hand up today, that's okay. By the end of next week, I guarantee you, you will have your hand up. This is where God does his best work. The Holy Spirit brings people to a place of conviction to where they know, I've got to get right with God, and I want to get right with God. And then God says, I've got somebody that you can talk to about that. And so... It's important that we, first of all, before we ever talk to people about God, that we talk to God about people, right? How long do you keep praying for these people? As long as it takes. I bet some of you can tell stories that you've been praying for years for somebody who's not been a, become a Christian. A great story, a friend of mine um, was not a Christian, but his sister was. And so she would go to church, and she, at the invitation time, every weekend when she'd be at church services, she would go to the, the church had a kind of time where you could go up front for prayer. And she would go every single week. She wasn't asking for prayer for herself. She would get like one of the ministers or one of the elders to pray with her for her brother who was not a Christian. I mean, like for two years she prayed and one of the ministers was telling me, yeah, I, I got to the point where I kind of felt bad for her. I wanted to tell her, you know, you don't have to keep coming down here. I just felt bad that God wasn't answering her prayer. But after two years, he did become a Christian and God did answer her prayer. Some of you may be saying, I've been praying for 15, 20 years. Keep praying and don't give up. That's why Paul said when he said in Colossians, he said, keep praying with watchfulness and thankfulness because you have no idea what God is on the verge of doing in their lives. Let God do the heavy lifting. Talk to God about people before you ever talk to people about God. Pray that God will soften their hearts. Pray that God will give you an open door to kind of share your faith with them. Pray that you'll have the right words to say when that opportunity comes. But pray. I don't know if you've heard this story. You may have. I, I love the story about how uh, Michael Jordan, great basketball player, scored 69 points in one game, which is a phenomenal accomplishment. That, that same game that he scored 69 points, there was a guy who rode the bench. Uh, his name was Stacy King. Stacy King, usually a scrub, a bench warmer, he got put in at the last moments of the game. He got fouled, and he got to the free throw line where he's going to put in. He had two shots. So Stacy King gets up there. Managed to dribble one shot in. So he scored this one point. Years later, when Stacy was retiring, somebody asked him, Hey, Stacy, what's the highlight of your career? And he said, Oh, I, that's easy. I don't even have to think about that. That would be the night that Michael Jordan and I combined to put in 70 points in one game. <laughs> right? Right? You sharing your faith with someone, that's one point. What God does to bring that person into his family, 69 points. But God does want to work in you and through you. So first go to him and pray for those people that you know who don't know Jesus. Let him do the heavy lifting and pray. <clears throat> guy named Erwin McManus, he's a pastor out in Los Angeles. He talks about a time when his son, Aaron, who was eight at the time, went to church camp for a week. And Aaron came home and he was pretty excited. 
It was bedtime, and Aaron's in bed, and Erwin came in. He said, I just want to hear a little bit about how camp was, so I talked to him for a while. I was getting ready to leave the room, Erwin said, and I was ready to flip the light off, and Aaron started panicking. Dad, don't turn the light off. Leave it on, leave it on. And Erwin stopped, and he just kind of put his head down. He said, Aaron, did they tell you ghost stories out at camp this week? And Aaron's like, no, Dad. They told us demon stories around the campfire at camp. Like, great, that's exactly what I want to hear was happening at church camp, telling demon stories. What am I supposed to do with that? He's like, I wish they told them ghost stories. If they told them ghost stories, they could say, Aaron, there is no such thing as ghosts. You're fine. They could shut the light off and leave. What am I supposed to tell them about demons? The truth? Well, Aaron, actually the Bible says in 1 Peter that Satan's like a roaring lion seeking people to devour, and he does have demons and principalities and powers everywhere. In fact, there are probably demons in our community Demons in our subdivision, demons in our house. I bet there's demons in your room. Good night. <laughs> what are you going to do? So Aaron's like, don't turn the light off, don't turn the light off. So Erwin went back over to his bed, and, and Aaron is like, Dad, you got to pray that God makes me safe. There's demons everywhere. And Erwin uh, said, I think he just recognized he had this moment here. And he said, I'm not going to pray that, Aaron. I'm not going to pray that God make you safe. At which point Aaron started crying. So this is really going well. Aaron said, no, I'm going to pray that God make you dangerous. I'm going to pray that, that God make you so dangerous that if a demon came into any room that you were in, he would have to flee because you are so dangerous. Aaron said, okay, Dad, pray that I'm really dangerous. <laughs> Prayer makes us dangerous. That's powerful. Think about what you were doing. You were tapping into the power of Almighty God, and you were inviting him to get involved in circumstances that you can't handle on your own. That is power. How many times have we neglected this, though? How many times have we gone to prayer as a last resort, if at all? Now, I'm not criticizing if you do. It's better to pray at last than not at all. But how much better could things be if we started with prayer, if we started with the power of God, if we said people matter to God so much that I will devote 5, 10, 15 minutes of my day to pray for other people? Has God brought some people to your mind? Have you written some names down? I hope that he has, or I hope that he will over the next few minutes. I want us to be a church that is a praying church. And this one's easy. To be a praying church, it needs to be filled with people who are praying. Okay? It's not up to me. It's not up to Brian. It's up to all of us saying, I will commit to go to my Heavenly Father, who cares about me very much, and I will pray on other people's behalf. Who's God brought to your mind? Will you pray for them? Let me pray right now. Father, I thank you that, first of all, we have this incredible privilege that you allow us to come before you and speak to you. I thank you that you loved us so much that you, you were willing to just asking that you would open our hearts to see people like you see them, that we would, at the very least, pray for them and talk to you about them. I pray that you would change our hearts in regards to other people, that you would take even maybe difficult relationships we've been in and smooth things out. I pray. I'm asking that today as we begin praying for people that maybe there would be relationships that are restored, that there would certainly be people who become Christians because we take the time to pray. And I just want to ask one last thing, Father, as we close out this teaching time, I'm just asking for anyone here that's come to worship today that, that does not know you the way that you love them. And I just pray that you would open their eyes to see how much you care about them and what you've already done to, to invite them into your family. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.